Hello and welcome to Cinema 7. I am your host, Chris Hawk. To my right, Marb Kari. What's up, Chris Hawk? Uh, before we get into the podcast, I just want to say, uh, I just went with my grandfather to see uh, Only the Brave. It's about the uh, 20 firefighters uh, of, um, you know, I just forgotten. It's like uh, Garnet Mountain Hot Shots or something. I forget the name of the thing. It's based on a true story. Uh, maybe I can get into it a little bit later. But uh, man, it was uh, it was a pretty good movie, man. Uh, the acting was was really good all around. Uh, Miles Teller, you know, like Chris Hawk just said it right before we got on the pod, man. He's he's making a comeback. Making a comeback. He's got two movies out in theaters right now. Uh, thank you for your service. And this, uh, only the brave. Yeah, maybe I can talk about it later. Uh, so uh, you can explain, you know, what the podcast is about. Today we're reviewing the critically acclaimed The Snowman with oh, it's Michael, critically Fa- acclaimed. Michael Fassbender and Rebecca Ferguson. This is take two. This is, ta- <laughs> this is our take, take two of The <laughs> Snowman. So today, but first, we got some news. News, 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 news. So, Mario. Yo. Sa- it, was a, it was a sad day this week. It was. Robert Gwilm. Oh, man. We already forgot. It's uh, Robert G- Robert G. Robert G. Robert G. Gwil- G. How about Guilme? Guilmo? Grilla, Gwil- Grilla Yum? The, the, so Gwil- the, the guy William? who played Rafiki... William. Guilliam. That's what, that's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, Robert Guilliam, who played uh, Rafiki. The, he voice acted Rafiki on The Lion King. He also... Voiced was a, one of the a famous um, video game character in Eli Vance in Half-Life. I did not know that. That's interesting. He also was on the show uh, Benson, and he won an Emmy for that. He, was, uh, he also suffered a stroke on the show Sports Night, where he actually comes back, and that's a very good episode also. Really? I think he's on Deep, Strike, uh, Deep Space Nine also. Oh, wow. Uh, but we're sad to uh, report, well, it's already been reported, it's out there, but uh, he has passed away on October 24th. He died at 89. So long life. He lived a long life. Uh, but yeah, it's a shame, man. I, I, uh, I love Rafiki in The Lion King. We talked about it before. Uh, easily, easily one of the better parts of Lion King. True. true I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't always recreate the Simba raising over Pride Rock thing with their little babies? Exactly. I know I did. I mean, I, I did it. <laughs> I, was, I was Rafiki in that moment. Why, why, why didn't you do that? I think you should see uh, only the brave Chris Hawk. Um, to go back to that movie real quick, there's a very there's very touching moments um, with Miles Teller and his uh, his daughter or him wanting to be a father figure for his daughter and changing. Because in the movie, uh, the character well, it's based on a true story. I don't know. I haven't researched it, so I don't know exactly how much of the character is based off of the real life person, but. You know, he was a drug addict, and he joined this thing to change his life around because he had a daughter that he didn't uh, know was happening until uh, about six months into the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like you will really relate to that, Chris. Because I remember last year, you and I did a lot of Fire and Ice episodes on uh, a lot of parent and child connection 
bonding type movies like we did Kubo, uh, Kubo and yeah, the we Two did Strings. Kubo and the Little Prince, I believe, was one too that you said was very yep. uh, meaningful. So I think you'd really like uh, Only the Brave. But you know, get, let's get back to the news. Mario, I hope I hope you interrupt me for Only the Brave all the time now <laughs> throughout this entire podcast. Okay, okay, I'll try. So, so for our next news, we have that Ben Mendelsohn is in the works to be the main villain for the Captain Marvel movie. So this is this is very interesting because there's there's a lot of rumors going on out there that says maybe it's it Captain Marvel's power comes from the Kree and the Kree blood and they could be going that route. But I've also heard rumors that it could also be the scroll. Now the scroll are these shape-changing aliens and they're one of the main foes to the Fantastic Four. So mm-hmm. if you get the scrolls, you're one step closer to the Fantastic Four, and that's Chris Hawk. That's that's like I'm a that's I'm Chris in. Hawk territory. I'm, I'm in. Just give me Fantastic Four, please, Marvel, please. I mean, please, 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 please. Chris please. Hawk's been been calling it out on this podcast for a year now. I would say about a year. He's been wanting Fantastic Four, uh, Marvel. Uh, you know, Chris Hawk's one of your biggest fans. I would say the <laughs> other one, as I mentioned in the last episode, is uh, Chris Poole from Fireside Comics, both named Chris. I see a pattern here. So, uh, Marvel, if you just want to go ahead and give uh, the Chris's what they want and uh, give get back uh, Fantastic Four, that'd be uh, great. Thank you. Mario, Ben Mendelsohn, how did, you, how did you like him in Rogue One? I liked him in Rogue One. I thought he was one of the more... I thought he was one of the better parts of Rogue One. I thought he definitely brought... Uh, he brought something to Rogue One, definitely because I mean, when you watch that, when I watched it in theaters, and I've talked about it when we reviewed it, you know, it, it was definitely at the time I thought it was amazing. Like it meant it meant uh, blended prequels and the original trilogy together so perfectly, in my opinion, and it felt like true Star Wars. When I watch it at home, I do start to see some of the flaws, but. Uh, Director Krennic was definitely Director Krennic. I thought he was definitely one of the better parts of the movie, and he was he was a perfect fit for Star Wars in that villain role. And I think you and I, you and I have talked about it before, uh, but he he kind of wasn't really a villain in the sense of his work or job title. You know, he kind of, I mean, he was a selfish person, but. Uh, Remember the conversation we had where you, you were yeah, saying... Yeah. His, his, from his point of view, the Jedi are evil. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he did well with the screen time he got. The gravitas he had when he was on screen, I was instantly drawn towards his, like his lines, his movements, his glare. Like that was his, his eye movements and just his facial expressions were just phenomenal in this movie. He was mm-hmm. a downright... He was a ghastly villain. Much like, better than he was in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Wait, 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 wait. He was in Dark Knight Rises? He was. <laughs> he was. He was. What, what, he was like was the he? banker or something, like the guy oh. <laughs> or whatever. I remember. With the turtleneck. Well, He's the guy what, with the what turtleneck. I, I bring up the scroll because a lot of people think that that's what is going to be America. Uh, America. Avengers 4, Secret Invasion. Now, Secret Invasion was a comic series that was, like, for some people it was a hit and some people it was a miss because it kind of retcons a little bit Civil War that it wasn't the superhero's original 
actions. It was Skrull's action that actually started uh, Civil War. So some people didn't like that. But as you know, as as a story, it's it's pretty neat that they would do something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't see Marvel doing Secret Invasion because they haven't treaded that groundwork for it. Yeah. So I know a lot of people think that because they won't release the title of Avengers Four that it would ruin or spoil the uh, surprise. What, yeah, the sp- surprise. I don't think it's Secret Invasion. As much as I would love that to happen. You don't have any groundwork for that. You don't have any clues. The Fantastic Four aren't in it. So I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be like Avengers Disassembled or something mm-hmm. like that. Now, uh, um, Robert Downey Jr. has just been confirmed to be in Avengers 4. I don't know if you uh, read that at all. I didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So he's going to be could, back. So could he, be apparently he's not dying in uh, Infinity War. Someone is dying, though. Someone, someone, is. Is de- someone is definitely dying. Who knows? But Chris Hawk, how do you feel about, uh, on the topic of Secret Invasion and retconning Civil War and all that, if they go that route with Avengers 4, how do you, did you like Secret Invasion, and do you think that would work for the movie? I actually did enjoy Secret Invasion. But the thing is, though, I'm, with uh, Marvel Unlimited, the the comic uh, streaming service, you get to read everything. So, I read all the tie-ins. I read all the extras that came with it. So I thought it was a good, genuine story because, I mean, I like the doppelganger-esque uh, scenarios in comics. Mm-hmm. I dig it a lot. And there is some, there is some good drama there. But in the, the MCU, I just don't think there's enough heroes. If you thought Civil War felt kind of flimsy because there wasn't enough heroes, then Secret Invasion is going to feel even more flimsier and more less dramatic because there's not that many heroes. There's only so many people that you can think as a doppelganger. So I just, I hope they don't go that route. I hope they, I hope they destroy the Avengers. And then the next phase is, is them rebuilding the Avengers with the secret Avengers. And hopefully they bring the TV Marvel characters on board and you have Luke Cage leading the Avengers because that's what happens in the comics is Luke Cage and Jessica Jones lead the secret Avengers. And it's a pretty, it's pretty downright awesome because Luke Cage as a leader, mm-hmm. he do, he's, he's really good at leading the Avengers. As I stated, uh, Chris Hawk is our Marvel guy. Chris Hawk loves the MCU. I'm Love probably uh, one of Marvel's fans that's very critical of the <laughs> MCU. And, you know, I'm a big Captain America fan, and I've said this a million times. I wanted Civil War. I wanted the third Captain America movie to be his own thing. But it was his own thing. So anyway, uh, <laughs> check please. Um, check please. I don't know. I I I I think, even though I am critical of the movie, I do think they did do it well with the heroes that they had and how they adjusted the plot to it be almost better than the comic book in the in the sense that most it, def- it, it most fits definitely. better. It fits better on the big screen versus some things fit better in the comic book world. Because they, the character assassination of Tony Stark, they make Tony Stark a bad guy in the comic books. There's yeah. no if, and, or buts. He starts working with villains to capture the unregistered heroes. So it's just, you don't sympathize with Tony Stark at all. And in the movie, you, kinda, you definitely see both sides. You, yeah. see, you see why Steve did it. You see why Tony did it. There's you know, national security and feelings involved, emotions. There's just, it's murky. And that's what makes the movie so great, which the comic didn't have. There is a clear winner to Civil War in the comics. In the, in the movie, there, I mean, 
you had Team Cap and Team Iron Man. So, I mean, both sides were right and both sides were wrong. So, yeah, just like in uh, Only the Brave, to go back to Only the Brave, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's an argument between Josh Brolin and Miles Teller. And, you know, Miles Teller wants to, you know, go on and do something different because he wants to be there for his child. And, you know, Josh Brolin is kind of in a lot of Thanos. ways. Thanos yeah, says true. no. See, you'll be able to relate. Um, <laughs> and Josh Brolin, you, he is Miles Teller. And they state that many times he's basically the same person. He's, he's had addictions and he went to this job and this job made him better. And I think that made him feel like he couldn't have children and stuff. So you see his argument where he's like, no, you got to stay and do this job. But, you know, Miles Teller... It's more like 60-40, maybe, maybe 70-30, okay? So maybe I'm a little wrong. I mean, you do see both sides, but Miles Teller's pretty much, you know, right. So anyway, back to the news. We're going to get into DC news right now. Hey, the you're Deathstroke the host, movie. Chris Hawk. You pick them. The Deathstroke movie is moving along, starting production with Joe Mangianello with the director of The Raid making this movie. Say what? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, Mario, yeah. I, have some, I have some reservations about this. It, it feels like DC is doing this all wrong. I mean, they do have fantastic villains. I would argue to say that DC yeah. has, has some of the best villains. Well, um, speaking of what we just talked about, I feel like DC's trying to bring everything that they do in the comic book world to the big screen, in a sense, because they have a lot of comic books going right now, and they have in the past, of standalone issues of their villains. And Marvel's tried to do it like with Magneto more recently. And, you know, if people yeah. have that, I think that one was kind of uh, mixed reviews, the Magneto one. I was getting it for a little bit, but I, I just, there's so much pumping out. Sometimes you just can't keep up with the comic books. And, you know, that's why I got to hop on that Marvel Unlimited. Do you think that uh, Deathstroke is in the upper echelon of DC villains that could solo their own movie? Well, like, we were just talking about it. Some things work better in the comic book form than they'll project onto the big screen. And I've read the first four or five issues of the Deathstroke uh, standalone comic, the ones come out more recently. And look, it's it's a badass comic. Like, there's no dialogue sometimes, and it's just like the whole issue is just him fighting and breaking out of stuff. And the way it's drawn and the way the panels are, it's pretty awesome i highly suggest if people are not in big readers and they like the action side of uh superheroes and stuff pick up the deathstroke comic mm -hmm. excuse me but i i do agree with you hawk i i just don't i don't see how he can have his own movie because it, it'd be a little uninteresting in my opinion to bring that to the big screen because then you're gonna have to i don't know if it's an origin have they stated if it's an origin i see i don't know because wasn't he? He was slated to be the villain in the Batman movie with uh, Ben Affleck. Yeah, true, true. Like they showed that uh, that CGI um, preview. It's kind of like what mm -hmm. they did with Deadpool, but they showed uh, he was coming off the the uh, some kind of aircraft or something. It was only for a few seconds, but that was a little tease of him. People were suggesting he'd be in Justice League, but then you know they were saying he'd be the villain in the Batman, but. I don't know if it's an origin. I, I don't know if I can get behind a, a Deathstroke origin because then you have to. I mean, ca characters like Deathstroke, I guess you can kind of argue that they're in the gray area. They're not bad or good. 
because he's kind of a mercenary, a bounty hunter type deal. Yeah, it just. But you're you're joke, making joke him good. Like, you're making him good, and then you're turning him bad. He's basically going to be chaotic neutral the entire movie. Yeah, like he's he's going to do good things, and then he's going to do some kind of bad things, and then we're going to be like, oh, but he's a villain. He can do that stuff, but he did some good stuff. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not interested in that. I want to see badass Deathstroke. Deathstroke, you know, Slade. He he can take down an organization by himself. Like he can take down the Teen Titans by himself. He can t- probably take down Batman by himself. Mm-hmm. Like stuff. Let's see him almost kill Batman. I've Something seen like on that. Twitter. I've seen on Twitter a lot of people seem to be excited for the uh, Deathstroke getting his own movie, and I don't know if that's just people on Twitter like amped for you know another more superhero stuff or i don't think people really sit down and think about it or realize it now this is just my opinion if you have a different opinion we me and chris hawk and john we acknowledge you to contact us and we'll bring you on the podcast to you know debate us special yeah fire and i special yeah talk debate us or you know talk about your own opinion because we look I've gotten into arguments on Twitter uh, with the <laughs> podcast page, and look, it, that's entirely me. That's not John or Chris Hawks. So don't fault the podcast. You can, you can fault me personally. I take the blame for it. I have stated, because I'm very passionate about it, that you should let people form their own opinions, and people you know, jump on me because they think it's the podcast altogether, and it's really just me acting out passionately, you know, saying, oh, you're being redundant because you know you... You're a podcast, so you, you only talk about your opinions, but that's not entirely true. We want to state all opinions, and we want we want everybody to come up and be on Cinema Seven, sit down with us. We we are very open to that, and we are very open to expressing all opinions. But except for communism and Nazis, get yeah, out of here. <laughs> yeah, get out of here, America, but, America, America. But all right, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I just it's going to be weird because a movie te- has has storytelling in the sense of a character. Has growth, and if you're gonna try to make him to to be have good and to be the the protagonist of the movie, I just don't know if he can be a protagonist but also be the antagonist of your own. I, I, I you see what I'm saying? Like, if you're gonna give him good and then turn him bad, and the- like in Suicide Squad, they really weren't even that bad. Yeah. So, yeah, because they they kind of redeem themselves in the end for their bad actions by kind of saving the city. So in the next Suicide Squad, are they just, are we going to relate to them as being good guys or are we, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying, Chris Hawk? It's just, it's just, it's, we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see what happens. See what so they Justice, do. Justice League, under two hours. How do we feel about that? Chris Hawk, you go first. I talked a whole bunch there. People um, probably turned it off. That's a lot of, a lot of content to fit under two hours. That is, uh, that's meeting a whole new team, trying to get the whole new team together, mm-hmm. them failing, them coming together because they know they need each other, and introducing the villain, introducing the plot to what the villain's doing. Uh, the villain wins, you know, first off the bat. The crew comes together, beats them, and then you got the reveal of Superman or Shazam or Green Lantern or um, Mr. Plastic Man or something like that. Oh, God. That'd be amazing. Or Captain Autumn or... Ooh, that'd be cool. Just, it's a lot of stuff. The only thing I can see them doing hours. is pulling a uh, only the brave and have and introducing the fire, like you know only the brave the fire is the villain and they introduce it in the beginning. <laughs> so you'd have to introduce Stephen Wolf in the beginning, and I feel like that's what's gonna you know that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna introduce Stephen Wolf in the beginning. It's the only way you know 
get him out of the way, and then, you know, have him wreak terror, build the Justice League. I mean, what else are you going to do in two hours? It, it, that's a lot of fit. That's a lot of people and characters that you're introducing to fit into one movie under two hours. And uh, I think John Kenoki would also agree. Uh, we've, we've agreed on this. Uh, two hours and 30 minutes seems like it'd be enough time with opening credits, closing credits to give you that extra bit of time to introduce the villain or tease Deathstroke, or not Deathstroke, um, Darkseid, introduce Aquaman's story and stuff like that. But then again, I guess we'll see what they do with the standalone movies. Uh, so I don't know. I agree with you, Hawk, though. I, I, it's going to be hard to do. So, but we can only see, as yeah. we said with Deathstroke. And it's coming up soon, less than a month. More DC. And for our final bit of news, Zachary Levi is going to play Shazam. Mario, I think you had a great take on this in the, in the group text. Uh, yeah, wanna, let me bring hear... that up real quick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Zachary Levi from Chuck fame from, I think, I do believe he was just in a, a SEAL team movie, wasn't he? I have he no played, idea. Maybe, he, maybe that's a different guy I'm thinking of. I'm definitely thinking that he was definitely pretty ripped playing a SEAL in Benghazi. I think no, you're was... thinking of uh, the guy from The Office. John, oh, John Kurczynski or whatever. Dang it. Yeah. I, see, unfor- I, 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 kinda, I can see the resemblance. That's unfortunate. But yeah, Zachary <laughs> Levi, he plays Chuck. <laughs> All the uh, Emily Blunt and uh, John Krasinski fans and Office fans are probably like pulling their hair out at, and they're going to hate mail you, Chris Hawk. I hope they do it because I'd love to get hate mail. <laughs> that would, hey, I, just, I, would, just, I approve of hate mail because we are the loneliest podcast on the planet right now. The loneliest. <laughs> but yeah, did you, uh, did you find that text yet? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, okay, go ahead. With the casting, I most def see them going in a more comedy-driven direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he can pull that off. I, I think he can pull off ch- childlike charm, the immatureness. But as we were talking in the group text, he kind of has a matureness to him because he's a very, uh, the kid, Billy, is very independent. And he kind of he raises himself, he kind of takes care of himself. But in the sense of where he finds his, uh, his inspiration is with Superman because he's a big fan of Superman. And he's more, he tries to be more like the truth and justice Superman, you know, the Hands on the hip, Superman. He, he he pretends to be him when he is Shazam to, I guess, in a way, hide that he's a child. But it's also because he he admires Superman. That's his hero. Mm-hmm. But the kid Billy, you know, is very bullied, and I think that's why he, being independent, I think that's why he acts goofy and stuff is and, and very comedic and and uh, I guess out and immature is because he, he wants to be a kid. He wants to have friends and he doesn't really have that. And uh, he's, he's constantly, he's constantly fighting, but there is moments where he does find his matureness and he is very serious. So I, I, I feel like they're going to go very goofy with this, but I, I mean, I think he can pull it off. I just, he, like you were saying, he has to bulk up. Shazam. Shazam's a big character. He is. I believe he's one of the most, he has the biggest buff physique out of most mm-hmm. of the DC characters. Um, he's, I th- I, I'm pretty sure he's as big or bigger than Black Adam, and he's definitely bigger than Superman. 
like this this isn't really a problem but if we're going with dynamics the superman and the dcu in the dceu he's he's kind of average where ben affleck is the bulkiest dude on the team and next to aquaman mm-hmm. so maybe they'll just bulk him up a little bit for 3 months and just pad his suit because basically the the rock is already set for black adam he doesn't really yeah, need to yeah, get yeah. any bigger unless he does get bigger i guess he can eat i guess Zachary, Zachary Levi or uh, whatever his name is, he, he does seem tall enough. So maybe that's what they're going for. Someone who's equally as tall as the rock to stand next to. And, and I'm, I mean, the, Chris Hemsworth has done it. He's dropped the muscle and he's regained the muscle in a short amount of time. So I, True. I, he, he can do it. There are True. all that supplement and uh, stuff you, t- you can take and they've taken the, they t- yeah, your body. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he can definitely do it. Uh, but, hey, Black Adam movie's coming first, speaking of Deathstroke, standalone. Jeez. That's oh, all the news I got for today, well, unless well, you got any more. Well, speaking of Billy, I just wanted to mention, he also, uh, he also looks up to uh, Cyborg, because if, if you watch the uh, animated Shazam and Superman, or is it the uh, Justice League movie where they fight uh, Darkseid, it's based off of the more recent just sleek comic series where Wonder Woman and Superman get together. Or okay. yeah, I said it right. Giggity. Yeah. <laughs> uh but he looks up to uh Cyborg cuz he goes to the the football games, the high school football games and he watches uh Cyborg play football and he looks up to him in a way and that whole thing. So I just wanted to mention that too cuz hey, why not? Connections. Are we ready to talk about the snowman? Uh, first, before we talk about the snowman, Chris Hawk, we do have to uh, thank our partners in crime over at Audible. Oh, snap. So, audible.com. So, what you do, you type in Audible you go to Trial. Audible. What is it? Uh, it's audibletrial.com slash C7pod. And what happens is you get a, a 30-day free trial of Audible, and you get a free audiobook of your choosing, or audio drama, for those who like audio drama like me. Yeah, you can, uh, a recent book that I read of, uh, I guess some people have seen that picture of Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. That's from the trilogy Chaos Walking. The first book is The Knife of Never Letting Go, and it's mm-hmm. a fantastic post-apocalyptic, I would say post-dystopia future um, thriller where I I honestly couldn't put it down, and it's very unique. It's actually a little bit better than Maze Runner. Really? Honestly, honest, yeah. Um, it's very unique. I'm just going to say that. I don't want to give it away why it's unique, but it is, yeah. it's pretty unique. I haven't seen anything like it. And you just recently read it? I did recently, like within the last week. I'm oh, pretty, sure I... it would, pretty sure it would sound better being read to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm not a big reader myself, so anything that uh, I can listen to, uh, I'm trying to get more into books, so I think Audible is definitely a way into uh, that type of uh, realm. So definitely check out Audible Trial slash C7 Pod for that free trial and the free audiobook to get you started. Sponsored right there, guys. <laughs> oh, anyway, The Snowman. Welcome to the main event. So in The Snowman, it's in, I'm guessing it's in, I'm pretty sure it's in Norway, a serial killer. Um, kills mothers and he puts a snowman outside of their windows when he has killed them. 
That is that is basically the gist. Fire and ice. We've stated this on the last episode. When it's fire and ice, there are no holds barred. We are going it's, full spoilers. It's the wild west. <laughs> it's the wild west up here. So oh, the wild west, bucko. Yeah, buckos. So uh, just letting you guys know, spoilers ahead. So I am deeply uh, engrossed in true crime in serial killer stories, detective stories. It's just something that Chris Hawk is very interested in. I don't know. I, I know Mario has watched, a, has watched some of the uh, show Mindhunter on Netflix, and I would advise anyone that's listening to this podcast to watch this show called Mindhunter. And this show is about the behavioral science unit in the FBI early stages in the 1960s and 70s and how they learn how to track these new types of killers that are popping up suddenly in America. These killers are serial killers, and they learn how to identify them, and they start to use this to check to track them before they start getting out of hand. And it's just so I don't want to say like no, no, this is no offense to the many victims that have been taken by the serial killers and those hideous killers out there. Mm-hmm. There's something. There's definitely something interesting, and America does know it. I mean, we're engrossed. And mass shooters, yeah. and and people that are different, and people that could do heinous crimes. The it's media some, is obsessed yeah. too, yeah, because they just, know we are. It, there's something about it that is just we want to know why that person did that thing, and because I could never see myself doing that thing. How yeah. can anyone like? How could you take the life of a young, thirteen-year-old girl, five-year-old girl, four-year-old boy? How could you rape these? people? types of people also it's just disgusting it's it downright is and it's on the flip side it's it's kind of engrossing to want to know why because we we are in, infinitely curious. curious yeah yeah definitely i would say uh definitely i'm, I'm only four episodes in in uh mine hunter i've kind of been watching star trek discovery instead but uh i can talk about that in another time but with mine hunter it even if you are not into like the crime stuff and this, this show is very, uh, it's very, got a slow drag to it in the sense it, it, uh, it, it's, uh, I don't know. How would you say it, Chris? Cause it, it, I wouldn't say it's like a, it's like a, you know, all those shows that it's like, um, case of the week, um, every two episodes. And what they do is they go to a different serial killer every episode or every other episode and they interview them. So it's like a serial killer of the week, and mm-hmm. they, what they do is they dig into their mind and how they think and why they did what they did, and it's mostly because of how they grew up. You know, was there a parent missing? Did their mother mistreat yeah. them? Was there, was there a father that was missing? Were they abused? Were they bullied? You know? Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a side to the show in, in the, uh, in the uh, series where one of the police officers is just like, this guy's just disgusting, and he, he's just a he's just a psychopath or whatever. And the uh, main character really wants to get into the, uh, the, the mind of the uh, killer. And he really wants to understand what made him do these horrible acts or turn into this vicious monster. And I think you should watch it for the least of trying to understand the human mind and how, how things could go awry in people's mind that could flip them like this because mental illness is is uh very serious and we don't in in our country we're not very 
uh, we don't really try to understand the mind. We, we just we suck. We yeah, suck. Yeah, and and that's not like a political or, or certain thing. It's it's just kind of I personally think it's facts that we we should really try to try to understand the mind and people and and mental illness. And I, I think you should watch it for at least that that you can try to understand people because if there's somebody out there who needs needs help who uh you know is having a rough time maybe you are that one person that can help flip the switch or get them help because at least that's how i see it yeah absolutely and also the show is based on true stories the names are some of the names are changed but the serial killers are not so like ed kemper that's they creepy. actually they actually have Ed, Ed Kemper tapes out there, and if you watch the actor and the real side by side, it's mm-hmm. pretty uncanny how wow how the actor got the mannerisms down. Can you it, imagine uh, studying that for as an actor? Uh, actors are sociopaths; they have to do that stuff all the time. I've heard I've heard very, very big rumors that some actors are empty vessels, and mm-hmm. they are the most boring person on earth. Yeah, and, but when they start to act, they take on whoever they act. And I've mm-hmm. I've heard accounts of this of many famous actors that they're they're utterly boring people. But when they go to act, they're you know the best. I, and, I just listened to a uh, Mark Maron uh, episode podcast episode where he talks to William Defoe, and uh, that's very interesting to hear William Defoe uh, talk about acting and getting into roles and stuff. And he he seems very plain. Seems very uh, normal, you know, right? Yeah, normal, very dry compared to you know. It's weird to someone like Jeff Bridges, who is in uh, Only the Brave. He also has an episode on uh, Mark Maron's podcast. And <laughs> hey, you told me to do it, and he uh, <laughs> and he's more like you know he he's actually he seems more like the dude from the uh, the big uh, Lebo- uh, Lebowski, yeah. However you say it, I never, I never watched the movie in full, so uh, shame on me. But shame. he, he really seems like that character in real life, which is funny, you know. And uh, you know, then to go to uh, like Willem Dafoe, and he's like real dry, real plain, and he, and Mark Maron's trying to get into the sense of things, and Willem Dafoe's like, no, that's not exactly how it is. And you can tell he's getting irritated. <laughs> But I, yeah, I can it, see I can see that whole breakdown in the in the beginning of the snowman with the whole how how they they turn into this killer. So the killer, we find out that the killer was abused as a child by this man this man father figure. Now this is the te- snowman we're talking about. This is the snowman we're talking about, and we're not going to reveal the identity of the snowman because yeah, uh, the we're cool like that, and you got to see the movie for yourself. But we're going to talk a crap ton about him. And we're definitely going to try not to give it away. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to try, try our very best. So we, have a, we see a mother who loves him, and she's trying her best to take care of her son. We see a father-like figure that comes. They call him Uncle Joe. He's teaching, him, he's teaching the young boy stuff, and stuff goes wrong. He's obviously not learning his lessons correctly. A uh, big fight ensues. And this <laughs> beginning... Uh, scenes of this of this movie, or it might be some of the worst intro. Oh, it's I've terribly ever seen. edited. It's it's this, it's like edited too fast, where yeah. everything is happening at a, like a breakneck speed. You can't really understand what's going on. Well, the director has stated that 
they were pulled from shooting in uh, Norway or wherever they were in Europe. Uh, so he, I, I don't believe they had the time or the uh, all of the shots or the takes that they wanted. So they kind of probably just had to meld it together as fast as possible. And that goes for the end, too, because the end is the same way. Like, it's, it's weird because the middle is the best part, in my opinion. And yeah, the- so we're, we're definitely not going to complain too much about how badly edited this movie are because yeah. there's one or two spots where I could say where it needs, you need a scene. Like, for example, Rebecca Ferguson characters presumably dies, but we never, <laughs> yeah. we never see her ever again. She died because of uh, one pinky cut off. Yeah, they cut off her know, pinky. Cut off her pinky. She died. That's She's tragic. dead. She's dead. But <laughs> wipe yourself off, man. You dead. But yeah, the beginning is uh, horribly edited. But I, I, I feel like I can see his spiraling into socio sociopath or that serial killer like tendencies with the way he grew up. Now I personally see that because now Hawk, I know you don't agree, but I, I feel like I feel like you can see it because the pers- the father figure who comes is teaching him. You know, is very abusive to the mother. And the mother seems like she's a little autistic in a sense, too. Mm-hmm. And he, he seems like he sexually abuses and uh, takes advantage of the mom. And the kid goes outside to play with the snow and builds snowman to uh, take his mind off of things. But he also he also seems autistic because he doesn't seem to understand or the fool. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I can't diagnose somebody of, of, yeah, you're not al- of autism or something. So I'm, I'm, you're I, not, you're not I, should, I should probably speak loosely on that subject. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like I can see it in in those actions, uh, Hawk. I know you disagree. Uh, tell me, well, tell us why you disagree. I want I want to know why he's killing mothers because there's two ways it could happen. <laughs> yeah. After after watching Mindhunter and as a self proclaimed uh, behavioral science, uh, you know, unit of the FBI, I think I could identify <laughs> a serial killer. You know, oh, just yeah, totally. by just just by scenes from a movie. Totally. I think he could have been killing fathers instead of mothers, but then again. We, we honestly, we relate more to mothers dying than fathers dying in movies. You see what I'm saying? Like, we're, we, we are yeah. remor- more remorseful for women dying than men dying, typically. Well, there's that whole uh, mythology thing of, you know, Mother Earth and uh, how we envision mothers through mythology and stuff like that. So maybe that plays a part in it. And that's getting real deep. I feel like so, and, super deep. Yeah, and I'm not really usually that deep, but <laughs> I feel like good. you know that maybe could play a part in it, you know. And I I feel pretty smart for bringing that 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 up there, because, because because <laughs> the dad was the reason behind her mother, his mother's death. There's no ifs ands or uh like even though he didn't touch her anyway, she kind of committed like a Harry Carey suicide in her car. She left him alone. I th- now I could see him being mad at his mom for yeah. leaving him and then killing moms. But we really don't. We like whenever we when we meet the killer, he never says his motives at all. Yeah, that's and true. So, other than he can, doesn't have a father figure, I think he says. So that's another issue I have with this movie is dialogue. I think hmm. the dialogue is kind of bad in this movie, and uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I could see why he kills mothers because he's jealous because because he's angry. But I also could see how he could kill fathers too, because maybe. But yeah. <laughs> but you know, let's go a little deep into this movie. The, the reason I'm laughing is because um, we're talking about it like as if 
he should kill fathers, but you know, killing <laughs> killing either or you know, killing in general is bad. So yeah. we don't want to approve of killing at all. Don't, Just want to state no, that. Stop killing. Stop the killing. Stop guys. the killing. So so how yeah. did you like Michael Fassbender in this movie? He he's kind of a generic role in a sense. I, I feel like anyone could have played that part. Because with these type of movies like uh, Long Came a Spider or Insomnia with uh, Al Pacino, mm-hmm. I, re- I kind of, that's the way I saw what this movie could have been with the trailers. Like in 90s, you know, crime movie like that, like Seven or The Bone Collector. And, and uh, it, you know, obviously it wasn't that because of, you know, mm-hmm. the moments where it's not that good. But, mm-hmm. I feel like anyone could have played that role, you know, the 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 veteran cop who has his issues and he's kind of withdrawn, but he's really good at his job. I don't know how it is in Norway, but if you're a police officer and you're found on the side of, and you're outside in the weather on the ground, drunk, I think you get like a suspension oh, yeah. or something from that from the force. I, I mean, I, I feel like you no would. matter. No matter who you are, if you're the most famous detective or something, you eat, you at least get a slap on the wrist or something. I didn't even know if he was a cop or a journalist, honestly, in the get-go, because he's just hanging around everywhere, and honestly, I was just like, who is this guy? I thought Rebecca Ferguson was a journalist also, and then, yeah. and then she, brand, she brandishes the gun. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, uh, Michael Fassbender's character, really, he really didn't bring anything special to this role. Uh, he was basically... Um, like a dis- he kind of felt like uh, Wolverine without any claws or healing factor. <laughs> yeah, he um he's kind of an he's very abrasive. Like and he's and he he they want to make it seem like he cares for this his ex girlfriend's son, but he always forgets about hanging out with his ex girlfriend's son. Mm-hmm. So I really got the f- feeling there that he. He doesn't really care because if you do care about those relationships in your life, you're going to make an effort, right? Yeah. I know. I understand you're on a super hard case and you get involved and you're an alcoholic. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that, that's the alcohol. Yeah. yeah it's, the, it's the alcohol. It's Nothing the alcohol. The, if you're an alcoholic, you're, it, that comes first. Probably. Just, yeah. Um, I mean, when you fall asleep outside of a, a bar down the street and people are kicking you to see if you're alive. I think no, it's the alcohol. Yeah, no offense to Michael Fassbender, but I believe anyone could have played his role. Well, it's nothing against also, him at all. It's also the case of the dialogue, and if they didn't have the, the time to shoot all of the movie, it could that could play a role in it too. Mm-hmm. But like I said, in the middle, I just didn't think it was that bad of a movie. I was really into it in the in the in the middle part of the movie. It's just I think it hits a rhythm in the. And the uh, case yeah. finding and mm-hmm. how it goes about portraying facts and stuff. There, I mean, there are some red herrings that really don't get explained at all, like J.K. Simmons. Like, J.K. Simmons could have not been in this movie, and this movie would have been the same. Might have been, it might have been the same. Yeah. Uh, he, he's like a very soft-spoken person, and it's very strange to see J.K. Simmons very soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. And he takes random pictures of women up close with the flash on. Yeah, which is... <laughs> Which, uh, you know, is very creepy and, you know, very disgusting, but it, it's, it's... Norway. It's Norway. It's Norway, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, yep. Norway. Sorry, Norway. It's Hollywood uh, for you. It's Hollywood. Um, I felt um, that Matt Fassbender's character was kind of young, and his ex-girlfriend was kind of 
a lot older than him. That's what it seemed like. That's what it seemed yeah. like to me. She seemed very mature, and Michael Fassbender seemed mm-hmm. very immature. Now, still on Michael Fassbender, do you think he was better in this or X-Men uh, Apocalypse? Oh. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> um, gosh, that's a hard one. Yeah. Because uh, Apocalypse was some straight doo-doo. <laughs> yeah. Like, <it> was... <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I'd have to say Apocalypse because I actually... It's superheroes. Yeah, that's the only That's the only edge. The only edge. And he's actually good at Magneto. Except for the fact that I didn't care for the fact that he had a family, like I yeah I that was that was weird. It was like a te- like a five minute sequence. Yeah, and it's like they had to bring him out of being that uh, extreme extremism, and then they then they had to bring him back in. Yeah, just when you think you're out, you're back in. They pull you ba- back. You back. You back. I just I did like it when he he kind of sobered up and he's he's kind of getting the clues um there's nothing really that makes him stand out from any of the other detectives in detective movies there's nothing that really he um he's like super lucky that's all i gotta say because how he beats the killer is uh super dumb okay what'd you think of uh what's her name's character uh rebecca ferguson yeah i i think she was awesome rebecca Mm -hmm. i agree since uh since uh mission impossible 5 she is that's her yeah, that's Rebecca oh, Ferguson. I love that movie. How was it? Ghost Protocol was your number two, three? Yeah, it was one? up there. It was up there that year. Dude, man, she is, she can handle her own. She, right, like, next to the greats of Tom Cruise and Michael Fassbender, like, mm-hmm. when Michael Fassbender's good, she, she could hold a movie. And she was the best part, I, in yeah, my I, opinion. I, I will agree. I think they, I like the reveal that, um, uh, I wonder, yeah, Val Kilmer is her dad. I don't care. Spoilers. Who <laughs> do cares? Do you want to talk a little bit about Val Kilmer? I do. And disclaimer, Val Kilmer, um, not a lot of people know, but he had throat cancer. And he got it, I th- I'm pretty sure it was successfully removed, mm-hmm. the, the uh, mass. And he was undergoing treatment during this movie. So the problem is they dubbed over his lines in this movie. And it's very, it's very telling. Um, oh, it's, it doesn't, yeah. It, it's and noticeable. It's very, it's very bad sound mixing because it doesn't sound like it's coming from his mouth. It sounds like it's like a narration. And mm-hmm. uh, as much as I want to say that it's like, it's just bad. I mean, there's nothing you could do about it. It's just part of the movie. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a bad, just a bad, uh, just bad get, you know, bad gig. Just too bad. It's just now- too bad. Because like I, said, I, I, we're big Val Kilmer fans. I mean, Tombstone. Yeah. I mean, just Top Gun. Can't name so many Top Gun. I mean, it's just uh, Val Kilmer was the man Mick in the Groover. 80s. Mick Groover. Mick <laughs> Groover. Batman. I mean, he's my favorite yeah. Batman. So it just oh, dude, people crap on you know that Batman and the other Batmans, but I, I grew up with that Batman, care. so I yeah. really, I really dig Val Kilmer as uh, Bruce Wayne. Batman. It's just it's just how about Pierce Brosnan is our James Bond. It's just that's who we grew up mm-hmm. with. Exactly. No matter how cheesy it is, it's that's that's who it is. I was just gonna say, uh, like we said, we're not gonna reveal the killer. Um, I will say that I called it towards oh, towards yeah. the reveal. Mario totally called it. Uh, like a good like a good yeah. thirty minutes before it happened. I will say like a, that a the killer is always around Michael Fassbender. That's it's uh that's all I'm totally gave it away. Totally gave it away. I don't think so. I, 
How do you feel about uh, the serial killer being someone that's not part of the movie or the serial killer being part of the cast? Like they find out it's just some random person in the end, or is it more drama that it's somebody that's actually I think in the mist? It's more drama when it's person in the mist because we've talked about this on Blade Runner. Uh, it, you didn't expect the child or the daughter to be the girl in the thing, at least in my, to me. Because you only meet her one time. Mm-hmm. So I was always thinking it was, it was going to be uh, Ryan Gosling or it was going to be a, a totally random person at the orphanage, still at the orphanage. or some, I thought maybe you would meet someone at that orphanage that worked there that it, it probably could have been. But I, I totally didn't expect it to be that one woman you meet, the the person who makes the dreams and, and, the, and the memories, because yeah. you only really meet her one time, and it's not a very long scene. So I, I thought that was kind of uh, a little dull to me. But going back to Snowman, I, I, I think that kind of added to... Uh, the more positiveness of the snowman because you, because you're constantly guessing, and then it is kind of a surprise in a sense, but it it's someone that's there, so you you get the, so it, it's kind of satisfying still. Yeah, um, I definitely wanted Val Kilmer to have a bigger role. I definitely did not expect to see his guts, his brain guts, all over the. Oh god. The uh, film screen. This movie was kind of gory a little bit. Oh yeah, I I certainly liked the way the uh, serial killer dispatched his victims with that um, retractable iron cord uh, yeah. thingy. That was ingenious. I think that's. I, I would love to know if that's actually a practical item to cut. Like that was a uh, animal an, meat or something like that. Mm-hmm. That was an antagonist in itself in the movie. I've, I felt like. Oh, the, <laughs> that attract. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of like the fire and uh, only the brave. All right, oh, that's yeah. my last only the, brave. only the brave reference. I promise I, I don't, won't bring it up. I anymore. don't believe it. <laughs> um, so, do you want to talk about how the detective doesn't actually beat the villain? Like he's saved by yeah grace. He's saved by grace. Like the grace of whoever maker is out there. He he's is, saved by luck. Like it's his own luck that saved him. It's kind There's of incomplete. No, it feels incomplete. There's no way that he planned that ice hole to be there for the killer to walk into. Like, yeah. How but, dumb do you have to be <laughs> to call out to call out to a guy that has a gun yeah. to shoot me? And he does shoot you because you asked for it. You uh you definitely walked out there on the ice without a gun. He shoots you. They could have you mon- monologue. Yeah. You let him you caught me monologuing <laughs> and uh and uh he falls down an ice hole. I was, that's yeah. anticlimactic, honestly. I mean, they totally could have got Michael Fassbender to distract him or something and then make him think and then stop the ice to break it or some crap or... Or Michael, had... or Rebecca Ferguson's character come back, you know? Yeah. And like, throws like something really heavy out there yeah. <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like, it just felt incomplete. Like what John was saying with the foreigner, you feel complete at the end of the movie. This movie, I didn't feel complete at the end. Mainly because, you know, the end is rushed. Oh, yeah. But, and, you know, Iron the, Finger. Do, do they not have helicopters in Norway? You're like, you could get a, a chopper there. 
pretty sure much faster than you could a car. So I'm pretty but, sure they just have guys spinning fans and they and they fly over. Yeah, they they uh, Balto Balto leads them over the hills. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's sorry Norway Hollywood Hollywood <laughs> like a rocket ship from uh, you know just, yeah. yeah rocket yeah. ships rocket ships pigs you know. Uh, chickens lots of chickens lots of chickens how how do you uh travel in norway they were just making fun because this movie is ridiculous at the end yeah in the middle in the middle that's the very it's it's like a typical hollywood detective story and it's it's actually kind of entertaining like oh i was getting into it and i was kind of digging it nowhere near as bad as worst movie of the year let me tell you no, no the emoji movie was not even that bad. And I think the Emoji movie was better than this, but this is not even really that bad. Yeah, the Emoji movie, I mean, it was good. Go check out that episode of, uh, speaking <laughs> of that Emoji movie, check out the episode of John and Chris Hawk's uh, positive view on the Emoji movie. Mario, do you have anything to add about the... Well, uh... speaking of blood and guts and gore and uh, violent deaths... Uh, What's her name? Miss um, Ferguson. I don't know her name. What's the yeah. actor's name? Rebecca Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson. She dies in the most glorious way possible. Uh, they cut off her <laughs> pinky finger, and <laughs> she completely is dead. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what she died of, to her? Would she die of frostbite in the car? I mean, she was in her car all night. Maybe she froze to death. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's true. probably super cold in Norway all the time. I'm guessing. I've never been. But what I could see from the movie, it's always snowing. So it's below 32 degrees. That could freeze. It. I mean, that's hypothermia. Yeah. Pneumonia. I mean. Norway's very cold in the summer. Yeah. All, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. That's you never one thing, hear for her character ever what, again. That, yeah. And that's it, another it thing happened. that makes it feel incomplete. There was happened like 30 minutes. There was like, what, 20 minutes left of the movie. And we never hear about her character ever again. At least something like, oh, she's in ICU or she's in intensive care or you know, something along those lines. Or, or it's a shame that she, she was alive when she was in the car, but she died overnight or, or something. Just something. We didn't get how anything. The, how about the killer knowing that she had a gun underneath the bed? Like, how genius is he? I'd say, well. Right? S- there's no way. Well, if, there's you, no w- if you've seen Manhunt. When uh, about the Unabomber, that's also on Netflix, by the way. Uh, they talk about how these people are, how you know the FBI, even um, in the '90s, thought people like the Unabomber were not intelligent to do these type of things that are just met, pissed off. He was just a pissed off person or former mm-hmm. employee of American Airlines or something, and. They never thought that he could be intelligent until, uh, and I mean, I could be wrong until the uh, Sam Worthington's character comes into the picture. But I mean, these people are, I'm sure in Mindhunter, in the, you know, the same thing, you, you get a sense that these people are very intelligent. So I think that maybe he was just thinking of everything possible, maybe. But yeah, it is, it is kind of weird that he knew, you know, and I wanted, and I wanted her to get away. Me I too. Because she was just the best part, in my opinion. I mean, her going uh, undercover by herself was uh, pretty rad. Um, did she even nothing... work there? I it, think didn't she, she get did. That, didn't she get that sense, too, that she, maybe she didn't really work there? She kind of faked really her way thought she in? Was a, thought she was a journalist. I really <laughs> thought she was a journalist. Yeah. 
Um, you know what's funny is uh, my girlfriend Kenya listens to these podcasts, and she always she she uh, gets on my she gets on my case sometimes, and you know, <laughs> and about me not, and she's gonna be totally mad if she hears this, but you know, it's worth it. I love you, but uh, she. <laughs> She gets on my case sometimes about me not always agreeing with her, liking the stuff that she likes. And she always thinks I agree with you guys. Like she's like, you always agree with them. And I will and I don't think she really knows us as friends that well because I, I there's a lot of times I do disagree with you guys. Like yeah, we have different opinions. There is tons of time. Suh. Yeah. And I have been very passionate and defensive and Sometimes I've been a jerk about it, but it, it's, uh, yeah, let's, you know, just like on Twitter, because it's me. It's not, don't blame John or Chris Hogg. <laughs> don't blame the whole podcast. Just blame me. Uh, where is, it, where, what? Like, it just, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, the, it's just a weird movie. You know? Yeah. I, I actually, in, in my opinion, as I was saying earlier about Bone Collector and all that, I think I had higher expectations because I, I was, already comparing it with the trailers to those type of movies those the trailer for the snowman is great yeah it gets me gets me amped gets me amped i don't know what else to talk about Uh, this movie i'm done i'm done with this movie i'm done with it grades grades uh let's do grades Two grades. <laughs> you go first, Mario. As as always, I will go first because the Similarity Rubicon is the main event. I mean, when we put that main event there, it's symbolic for what we're talking about, but it's also symbolic <laughs> for the Similarity Rubicon. Oh my god! Um, I don't know how else. I don't know how to sum this movie up. I I would say that my only negatives are the dialogue, that some acting. And that might be due to, you know, stress or um, the short filming, cut short, uh, cut short. Uh, I kind of said the same thing twice in a row there, in a sense. But the editing in the beginning and the editing at the end, uh, it didn't feel complete. But I wouldn't say this is the worst movie of the year. No. I've seen worse movies this year. And... When we get into our top tens, when we do Final Countdown, our letdowns aren't our worst movies of the year. They are just movies that let us down, which we'll you know, go more in-depth in on that episode. But uh, let me see if I can find what movies I thought were uh, worse. Uh, the Void, I personally thought was worse. Really? Yeah. Uh, Ghost in the Shell, I thought was huh. worse. <laughs> huh. uh, Mother, oh, man. I, thought, I personally thought was uh, worse than this movie. Uh, you know, Blade Runner. I don't think it's worse, but it's definitely in limbo. Where this, I will give a definite grade. <laughs> so, uh, with my the middle part where they're doing the case, we've stressed is the best part. Is is where you get really immersed, and I thought I was really getting into it. So I would probably give this movie a, a six point eight out of ten, or. Hmm. A 6.5 if I uh, was John Kenoki, but because I like my middle points and stuff like that, I'd give it a 6.8 because I was immersed in, in the uh, middle of the movie. Yeah, um, I 
I love these movies. I love the detective movies. I love the serial killer movies. So I was definitely amped to see this movie, and I think my expectations let me down. But other than that, the movie kind of let you down also. This, it's just, I think it was, the ball was dropped for these movies. Now, I, I've read online that the reviews for the book, the books, they say the books aren't that great either. So they were dealing with less than tip-top, um, like, material. But okay, but that's neither here. Nor that's everyone. That's other people's opinions. I I haven't read the book shit. I kind of want to because I like serial killer books, detective books. But I definitely was kind of let down. Uh, like Mario, we I will stress that the middle part of this movie was absolutely the better part of this movie. Uh, it's the two. It's Rebecca Ferguson and Michael Fassbender actually kind of playing off each other a little bit. Michael uh, Rebecca Ferguson opens up. She gets a little playful. Michael Fassbender stops drinking and he actually is competent at his job like he's really good at being a detective uh you could definitely see some signs of seven in this movie and how they wanted to portray the killer as way super smart Mm -hmm. and and you don't really see the reveal to the end of the movie like in seven um and also the like you think um yeah the like the types of deaths are kind of similar. They're gruesome deaths, like in Seven. Uh, the snowman deaths aren't really as gruesome, but I mean, it, the body dismemberment is pretty terrible. But because of the temperature of Norway, they're instantly preserved. So I mean, it's really not that that gruesome or gory. Uh, and for my final movie, uh, because of the similar Nordic Nor themes, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, both versions. Uh, the, both of them are very fantastic. I like both versions. Um, you definitely get a feel that uh, Daniel Craig's like he's out of his league, uh, and you definitely feel that Michael Fassbender's out of his league sometimes. And they both get help from a female partner, and they're very um, mischievous. They're holding something back from their past. You know how. Rebecca Ferguson doesn't reveal that she's the daughter of a of the detective that was working in the previous case, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Elizabeth has a whole past of just red flag her past, and I I definitely I definitely wanted this movie to be a lot better. I definitely did. I I really wanted this movie to be good because the premise was pretty good. I mean, a serial killer that leaves a calling card is yeah. it's pretty unique, and then eventually the police start to get close to him, and he starts to lose control of his life he starts to lose control of you know that's what serial killers crave most anyway they they crave control things that they actually can have control over that's it's a real something that you know it's their kick it's something they get off on and they really don't show a lot of that in the snowman like how that would you say you are lower on it than i am i i would probably say so okay um other uh, other than that, I think this is a movie to experience on your own. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's definitely not the worst movie of the year. Geostorm might be the worst movie of the year, but we but we <laughs> yeah. haven't seen that yet. That's we true. Seen it yet. That's true. But uh, the D- Matrix people, and people uh, over exaggerate. Yeah, the Matrix and Thor two. I mean, Thor three are coming out for us anyway. I think I believe we're gonna do the Matrix finally. Yeah, we're gonna do take two, the Matrix finally. Chris Hawk's finally. gonna Chris Hawk's gonna go. So deep with that one. I cannot wait. Oh my goodness. I can't wait to hear John Kenoki's thoughts on The Matrix. Not going to lie. I never heard his thoughts on The Matrix. Exactly. That's going to be interesting. There is no thoughts on The Matrix. (laughs) 
So that's our, those are our take on the snowman. I hope you enjoyed our no holds ball to Dernison fueled fuel ride. That uh, that is the our take. Mario gave it a six point eight, a definite six point eight. I gave I compared it to uh, a watered down seven and <laughs> uh, the girl with the dragon tattoos. Um, Mario, do you have any recommendations? I think we were talking about the Orville today, and I think you wanted to talk about the Orville. Yeah, I uh, I really like the Orville. Um, that's definitely going to be my weekly recommend is the Orville uh, created by Seth MacFarlane. That is true. The uh, Family Guy creator uh, created this show. If you don't know what it is, I would kind of, if I were to similarly, sim- similarly, simil- similarity Rubicon it uh, off a, um, you know, stealing Chris Hawk's gimmick, you know. Do it. I, I'm hacking you, Chris Hawk. I'm hacking Do you it. for a second. Do it. I, I would compare it to a a uh, Galaxy Quest mixed with, uh, I guess I would say, Star Trek. Definitely if you blend them together, because it, it does, it, even though it has its comedic moments, it, it has very serious uh, parts to it as well. And and it it's does. more, I would compare it more to the original Star Trek, because it has its moral metaphors behind each episode, I feel like. I, I feel like you can get the sense of that. And the original uh, Star Trek and most, uh, I would say the, the closest to it would be Next Generation. Uh, fans love that aspect of Star Trek where it has that, I wouldn't say political, but in a sense political, but uh, metaphorical. It's mo- like moral ambiguity. Like yeah. Both sides could be seen as right and both sides can be seen as wrong. And they, you have to have the cool-headed captain make a decision and sometimes those decisions are bad, and sometimes those decisions come out all right. And that's what makes the next generation so good is that there's actual consequences for the Star Trek crew. Exactly. It, it, where versus the original trilogy, you know, it's kind of it, it's it's that classic sci-fi. But in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, original Star Trek, I would say, is a, was ahead of its time with that uh, with its themes. So I, I would compare the Orville to that with its theme each episode, and. You know, Galaxy Quest, because it is, in a sense, a spoof, and, it, you know, it has its comedic elements. So, I really enjoy it. I, I, my favorite episode's the third episode so far. I would agree. Uh, it's really good so far. Ha- I, have I you do, watched all six? I, I'm that thinking I'm on the, I think I'm on the sixth episode. I'm on the one with the krill. Um, I, just, okay. I, do like, I do like all these uh, celebrity cameos with uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and... Uh, Oh yeah, uh, Fur- Furiosa, so, uh, Charlie's Theron. Yeah, it's pretty dope. That was a surprise to me because I I didn't look that up at all. You know, I just went I, into it and I was I, like, oh, that's what what. I don't want I don't want to give any spoils away, but she plays a something that is Chris Hawk's favorite thing in the world, uh, and Qui Gon Jinn's in it also. So that was a cool little cameo. That was when <laughs> when when we were me and Brittany were watching it, and she hears the voice. She goes, "That's Aslan." From the Lion, the Witch, and the yeah. Wardrobe. That's funny. How's what's uh, Brittany? What's Brittany think of it? She loves it. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. It's uh, and I wouldn't say it's very. It's, it's very easy to watch. Yeah, it's, it's not. Sh- it's not like Family Guy, or American Dad, where it's edgy or with some of its comedy. You know, I I think this is definitely more open. I mean, obviously, if you're over, I, I would say over thirteen, PG thirteen, maybe, but. 
I think it's definitely more open than something like people would be when hearing about Family Guy or American Dad. It's like if you took the next generation and made everyone take a couple shots and take all the sticks out of their butts, and that's how they would all act in <laughs> yeah. the Orville. Because I, it's kind of like a like a old guys, not like old guys, but the good old boys party in the next generation where everyone is super respectful. Like everyone True. is like it's number they one. Treat it, they treat it as a super professional job. Whereas in the Orville, it's kind of like the military, American military. It's realistic. It's realistic. It's like yeah. how the it's I wouldn't say it's how the Navy runs, but it's like, you know, it's almost tongue in cheek, pseudo serious, pseudo funny, mm-hmm. cracking jokes in the in the moment of, you know, because they really don't crack jokes in the moment of danger in uh next gen, but in the Orville, they're like cracking them left and right. So I would I would definitely agree that the Orville is a great recommendation. I'm I'm going to throw my recommendation in there for the Orville also. Is because it's just that good. And I want Boom. this show to last because it's it's different TV, guys. It's you know, you want yeah. you want different shows on TV. You complain about not having different shows on TV and then they give you a different show on TV <laughs> and then and then you don't watch it. So, this right, is Chris one on, of those shows. Chris that, on, calm down. I'm holding you back. Chris, calm down. <laughs> no, 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 no. Chris, calm no. down. Fire's it's coming also, out. It's also, uh, you know, there's still talk about, there's still beyond the Orville subject. I, I, you know, even though it's compared to Star Trek and we just kind of did it and we, you know, stuff like that, it, it's definitely on its own level. I feel like it, it mm-hmm. like I watch, I've been watching Star Trek Discovery, as I mentioned earlier. It's when you watch the Orville and then you watch Star Trek Discovery, it's two different things. I mean, you see the similarities. But you can also it's more it's more difference than uh, similar. I I feel like because did did you get to the f bomb in Discovery yet? No, I think that's one of the that's the latest episode. I'm on. I just finished episode four, I believe. Because I was talking to Brittany's parents, and they're big Star Trek fans, and yeah. they were like, they were like, what? Yeah. What was the it, what was the point of dropping an f bomb? It's just it's, like you you did it just because yeah. you could because you're not it's, on cable. Discovery is kind of gory too. Like it's it's very. It's very edgy, and hmm. and not to not to spoil anything. This is just my uh opi- my opinion and reflection on it. I I think Discovery is a part of Section Thirty One, so I think they're definitely going with more edgy because of that. And if you're hmm. very if you're a Star Trek fan and you're familiar with Section Thirty One, they're kind of like it, the most recently brought up of Section Thirty One would be uh, Into Darkness when they build that giant ship. Vengeance. You know, it's uh, it's the secret part of Starfleet. So, uh, the other comparison, I guess, if you watch Deep Space Nine, they mention it in there a couple episodes, and I think they, I think they entered you getting deep. Hey, I did, I did my research. They, they, um, they introduce it in Enterprise too, but they're very, they're like the uh, the special ops or black ops of uh, Starfleet. So they're very sneaky and very secretive and uh they're and they're very much you know again they're kind of they kind of do what they want and they're all about war it's the wild west it's the wild west just like this episode well, and, I, let uh, me ask you a question yeah the acting between the two shows which one would you say has the upper hand i'd put them on par because i i mean well i'd say discovery's better but it, orville's it's got the comedy aspect to it, and it's not very, 
serious all the time. So obviously Discovery is going to be better. I don't know. I don't know if you can compare the two because the Orville of what I just said. So, and how's, I don't um, think the Orville's that bad. How's Lucius Malfoy? Uh, who's what are you talking about? I think he he's the captain of the Discovery. Oh, the Dad Malfoy. Okay, I only know him as Dad Malfoy. Uh, he's he's good. He's good. His character is very. Uh, you kind of get a sense there's something iffy about him, and you don't really get all of him. But there, you definitely get a sense that there's more to the character than, than they show, I will say. But he's good. He's good. And with that, we're going to call it. Well, I just speaking of crime, I will add one thing. One, I wanted to add this earlier, but I didn't get to mention it because of our yeah. long conversation on Norval. Yeah. I want to see a crossover, and I probably will pitch this if we do a crime, drama, cro- thriller. Alex Cross and Jack Ryan. Ooh. Boom. Crossover movie. Ooh. I, I like Alex Cross a lot. I read a lot of uh, Alex Cross books. So Did you like the movie with uh Tyler Perry? Yeah. Dude, I like I that movie. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, but dude, I but like I have it. but the uh, Samuel Jackson ones. I'm pretty sure that's Alex no, no, Cross. No, no, no. You're thinking of Morgan Freeman. Um he 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 plays a very gritty uh Alex Ross and uh I like that. Mario, uh, tell us Tell them how they can reach us. I'm pretty sure they know. Yeah. Well, this is a long uh, send-off here, but uh, to reach us on the interwebs, you can look us up at our website, uh, cinema7podcast.com. Just type in uh, cinema, the number seven, and then uh, podcast.com. On Twitter, we're cinema, just the number seven, underscore podcast. Uh, Look us up on there. Definitely join the conversation. If you uh, like the snowman, if not, if you have a weekly recommendation or you agree with us about the Orville, Star Trek Discovery, or if you're watching Mindhunter and you want to talk to Chris Hawk, Chris Hawk will take over the Twitter for a day. And please do, Chris Hawk, because I have uh, shamed us a little bit when I got into that little scuffle. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, definitely brought dishonor yeah, upon our dude, family. Yeah, uh, definitely join the conversation on there. That'd be awesome. It'd be fun. Uh, Facebook Cinema 7 Podcast. That's uh, number 7, E-V-E-N, how we spell 7. Same thing on Twitter, Cinema 7 underscore podcast, or Instagram, I should say. Sorry, Instagram. uh, Cinema 7 underscore podcast. I think we're on Tumblr, but I don't know about uh, what John does on there. Uh, Check out some of our recent posts on Instagram. Like I said, you can join the conversation on there, too. I know not a lot of people comment on there. They just like things. Definitely comment and join the conversation. And uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Amusement Sparks. It seems like they just got a Twitter recently. And uh, I want everyone to go to Amusement Sparks and follow them on Twitter. Uh, They are one of our podcast buddies, like Fireside Comics. You can also follow them on Twitter. And Uh, uh, me and John's episode is coming up soon. Oh, dude, I'm excited. I can't wait to hear. It's uh, it was pretty good. Got our creative juices going. So uh, definitely check out Amusement Sparks podcast. And check them out on Twitter. For, uh, we're going to be coming up on their season three as guests. But uh, that's all I got, Chris Hawk. So as always, from us at Cinema 7, we want to thank you for listening with us. We want to thank you for watching with us. And we want to thank I'm you for Mr. exploring. White Christmas. I'm Mr. Snow. I'm Mr. Icicle. I'm Mr. Ten Below. Friends call me Snow Miser. Whatever I touch... Snow in my clutch! Ha <laughs> ha!
I'm too much. He's Mr. White Christmas. He's Mr. Snow. He's Mr. Icicle. He's Mr. Tenderloin. Friends call me Snow Miser. Whatever I touch turns to snow in my clutch. <laughs> He's too much. I never wanna know a day that's over 40 degrees. I'd rather have a 30, 20, 10, 5, and let it freeze. He's Mr. White Christmas. He's Mr. Snow. That's right. He's Mr. Icicle. He's Mr. Tenderloin. Friends call me Snow Miser. Too much. <laughs> Too much. Forecast.